0: We're going to read the first 13 verses of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazantamar, which is in Gedi. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem, the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? Rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name saying if when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine we stand before this house and in thy presence for thy name is in this house and cry unto thee in our affliction then thou wilt hear and help And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. I told the Sunday school class we're going to talk about prayer this morning. But we're not going to talk about now I lay me down to sleep or God is great, God is good type of prayer. If you read your bulletin article, you know what kind of prayer I'm going to talk about. And I put it in the bulletin and uh, I didn't get one, so I was going to read it straight out of there. But it's this kind of prayer. Down in the dirt on your face, sackcloth and ashes, crying before God. And folks, that's the kind of prayer we as a church, and that's the kind of prayer God's people need to be praying today. Serious prayer. We mean business with God. The Bible's full of many wonderful prayers. We can read them. Somebody said there's about 650 prayers recorded in the Word of God, and obviously we can't go through all of those prayers this morning. But we're going to pick out one prayer, and that is the prayer of Jehoshaphat. And you see, I call it praying in desperation. We have the prayers of the Apostle Paul. We have the prayers of David. We're going to look at the prayer of Nehemiah for just a moment. Some of the prayer of Nehemiah. And we have so many other prayers that we can read and study and and really learn how to pray. But I think the greatest prayers of all are the prayers of Jesus. You know, he prayed, Father, not my will, but thine be done. He prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Wonderful, wonderful prayers. I'm going to ask you this morning, have you ever prayed in desperation? I have. I have recently prayed in desperation. You say, what is desperation? Desperation talks about a state of despair. Don't you love the way the dictionary does things? You look up desperation it says a state of despair. Well, what is despair? Despair speaks of the complete loss or the absence of any kind of hope. You just reach the point where you say, there is no hope. I can't do anything. And I must fall on my face before God. And the Bible has accounts of those who reached times of holy desperation and they fell on their face before God and they prayed. Lamentations chapter 5 the first 22, 23 verses of that chapter 22 I think it is is the prayer of Jeremiah for his nation and the nation of Israel was in a terrible state in that day and Jeremiah in verse 21 said this we're going to have that one verse from Lamentations 5 he said turn thou us unto thee O Lord and we shall be turned renew our days as of old you know what he's saying Lord, we want to be back. I want the nation to be back close to you. We would pray that way today. And then he said, and the way we'd say it today is, give us the good old days back. Back when, whether we were a Christian nation in the fullest sense of the word or not, we at least had some respect and some reverence for you. And that's the way Jeremiah was praying for Israel. Micah, in Micah 7 Parts of the first three verses. He's praying again because of the condition of the nation. And he prays, woe is me. The good man has perished out of the earth. And there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. That they may do evil with both hands earnestly. Micah said it's gotten terrible. And there's violence and there's crime in the nation. And he's praying to God about it. Now he's not praying some simple little prayer that we can pray. as I think I said in the bulletin article, we pray many times from here up. Jeremiah's prayer, Micah's prayer, Nehemiah's prayer, David's prayer, the Lord's prayer all come from here from the heart to want to be right with God. Jesus said in the time just before his coming, there would come a time of perplexity upon the earth. That idea of perplexity is just this. It has the idea of losing one's way. And I think there are many, many people, especially God's people who have lost their way today because they're not here. and So many of God's people have lost their way. It's a time of perplexity. We're being faced with a combination of forces today that can only be met by the intervention of God, folks. Satan's active. Satan is... I don't know if he's ever been more active, but it seems like he's never been more active than he is today in bringing perversion and sin and all of these things up on the face of this earth. But here's the problem. The situation is desperate, but by and large God's people are not desperate. We sort of want to do business as usual. It's just like it was yesterday. Well, no, it's not. So we're going to look at the prayer of Jehoshaphat and we're going to see him praying in a time of great desperation and first of all the problem is this in verses 1 and 2, the Moabites, Ammonites and all those other in the land Wanted to come against Judah in battle. In fact, verse 2 says, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And you look at verse 12. Look at what Jehoshaphat said in that 12th verse. Neither know we what to do. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I don't know what to do. We've got these great armies coming against us. We're being approached from people who have come together to fight against us. And these are the people that when we were coming to the promised land, God wouldn't let us conquer, wouldn't let us drive out of existence. And we just don't know what to do. Have you ever felt that way? We've reached a state of desperation in our nation, in our world today. We have never faced such a demonic combination, I don't believe as we do today, ever before in the existence of the Lord's churches. We're fighting against the unseen powers, spiritual powers of the world of darkness that are come and agents out of the very headquarters of evil, hell itself, folks. The things that are happening in this country are not happenstance. Satan has a desire. Satan has a plot. Satan has a plan, and I think America is right in the middle of that plan today. We've always had sin. We've always had perversion. We've always had meanness, but we have not had sin and perversion and meanness the way we have it today. This is an invasion from a demonic world. The double distilled powers of evil are coming upon our nation and upon our world. So there's the problem. You know what Jehoshaphat did? He made a proclamation, first of all. We see that in verses 3 and 4. When he got word of an invasion, he did three things and you note them here in these verses, first of all, he feared. We need to have a certain degree of fear today, folks. We need to look around us. You know, the day, I believe, the day could well come in this nation when they say, you can't meet like this anymore. You know, they did a little experiment on that a couple of years ago, didn't they? We got this thing called COVID and nobody can get out of it. You just stay in your house and you don't even go to church to worship and all that sort of thing, and you just, we're going to lock you down. Well, that didn't stop it, did it? But see, the precedent is there. It has been set now. And one of these days, you look out, it could well happen again. Then he proclaimed a fast. Preacher, do you believe in prayer and fasting? Yes. Now, it may not be doing without food. It may be doing without something else. It may be doing without sleep. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Fasting is just giving up something. It's doing without something because you're so involved in the Word of God or the work of God or in praying or Bible study, whatever it may be, that other things, physical things, just don't mean as much to you and you just don't do them. And then he set or he fixed, he planted himself to seek the Lord. In other words, he said, I'm going to pray habitually. I'm not going to just pray about this thing one time I'm going to pray continually habitually about this thing in verse 4 it says the entire nation came together now it's great when one person prays but it's a whole lot better when a whole group of people are praying together he says even out of the cities of Judah they came seeking the Lord they knew there was only one answer to the desperate situation they faced and that was the power of God that was to seek God and in our battle today we have one weapon folks Desperate prayer, but you know what? We don't use it. We don't use it. We don't hear much about desperate praying today, do we? We don't hear many preachers standing in pulpits saying, Look, folks, time is short, Christ is coming back, the world is evil, and at least one thing that we can do as God's people is to get on our knees desperately and pray before God. When was the last time? We stayed up all night praying about some situation in the church or some situation in this nation. That's desperate praying. When was the last time that we desperately prayed for some lost friend or some lost family member? Again, may have stayed up all night, may have been down on our face before God praying for them. Or how about staying up all night and praying desperately for some brother or sister in Christ, some fellow church member who's out of fellowship with God and out of fellowship with the church and praying that God bring them back. Desperate prayer. Prayer that means something that has power with God. We don't see a lot of churches holding prayer meetings anymore, do we? We have midweek services. That sounds so much better than prayer meeting, doesn't it? Not really. But we don't see a lot of churches having prayer meetings today, and you ever wonder why we don't have a lot of prayer meetings today? First of all folks, serious prayer. Desperate prayer is hard work. It is intense. It is laborious. It is tedious. It is tiring. You can get tired from praying. It's a good tired, but you can get tired from praying. Serious praying. Again, not Now, lay me down to sleep type of praying. But I mean praying and prayer that has some power with God. Secondly, you know what? I don't think a lot of people believe God. You say, Brother Jim. Uh, You know, if we really believe God, if we really believe the promises in His Word, and if we would get serious with God that He would grant those promises, folks, we'd be praying We'd be praying desperate prayers. We'd be down on our face in the dirt, sackcloth and ashes praying. That's what we'd be doing. Listen to what Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 6. He says, Let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. The first thing he did, he didn't just presume God would hear him. He said, Lord, please hear me. The psalmist in the 19th psalm says something about presumptuous sins. And I think sometimes it's a presumptuous sin just to think, well, I'll just pray. I'll just throw out a prayer right quick and God's got to hear me because I'm praying. Nehemiah said, Lord, please hear me. Lord, listen to my prayer. Please hear my prayer, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel. Boy, we can do that. We can confess somebody else's sins, can't we? Since he... Went upstairs for a moment. I'm just going to pick on the deacon. Lord, that old deacon really needs some correcting. You take care of his sins, won't you? It's real easy to do that, but listen to what else he prayed. Sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. Lord, it's not just the deacon. Pick on Brother Rick. Lord, it's not just the music director. Lord, it's not just the musicians or the Sunday school teachers or everybody sitting in a pew. Lord, I have sinned in my whole house and I come to you. And he says in verse 7, We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the judgments which I'll commend, thy servant Moses. If folks believed the Bible and believed in prayer the way they say they do and believed God the way they say they do, they would be praying before God, and we'd be on our knees before Him just like Nehemiah was, and some of these in the Bible were. Think about this. What would happen? Just use your imagination for a moment. What would happen if a few desperate church members came together and said, we're going to spend some time in desperate prayer for this nation, and we're going to spend some time in desperate prayer for this church? You know, we said, we're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to meet at the church house, and we're going to have a prayer meeting, and on some night other than a Sunday or a Wednesday, the lights were on in the building. You might get the police stopping by to try to find out what's going on, you know. Because they know that it's only lit up on Sunday and Wednesday. But Or maybe on a regular service night, we stayed past the regular time of dismissal. We didn't just come in and have a service and go. These desperate folks stayed past that time of dismissal and the lights were on. Maybe till 9, 10 o'clock, 11, midnight. And people see it. And somebody passing by said, well, what's going on at the church house? They forgot to turn their lights off when they left. Or maybe somebody else says, you know, there's something going on and it must be serious. And if it's that serious, I'm going to stop and see what's going on. And when they find out what is going on, they might think, well, if they're praying, maybe I better pray too. Sinners revel in their sin all night long, don't they? I mean, 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. They might be out at the bars and wherever else and reveling in their sin. Well, why don't we pray all night then? So here's the prayer. Jehoshaphat made a proclamation. Here's the prayer. First of all, he recognized the person of God. He considered the sovereignty of God. Verses 5 through 7. Look at what he says. He says, art thou not God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen. You're God. I'm coming to you. I've had recently to say this. Lord, I can't do anything about this. It's yours. It's up to you. I'm depending totally upon you. We serve the only God there is. I don't care what other people call God. What they call God, if it's not Jehovah, God of the Bible, is not God. By the way, you know the difference between Jehovah and Allah? Allah said, you send your sons to die for me. God said, I'll send my son to die for you. Okay? There's the difference. I don't care what people call God. Only the God of the Bible, Jehovah, is the God of heaven and earth. He's not just God over the Jews. He's not just God over the Christians. He's not just God over any kind of certain people. He is God over every person whether they're saved or whether they're lost. He is God. And one of his chief characteristics is his sovereignty by right of creation. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That means he made you and me. Okay? He gives us life and so he has a right to be God over us. And Jehoshaphat recognized God's holiness and reverenced God's name. We need to recognize who we're addressing when we pray. We need to recognize His holiness as we approach Him in prayer. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, He taught us in teaching us the model prayer. How are we supposed to pray? Our Father which art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name set apart, special. Listen, never use God's name in vain. Never use God's name lightly. God's name is holy, and it should be treated holy. That's what hallowed means, holy, sanctified, set apart of that which is common and that which is unclean. And I've heard people refer to God. In fact, I was telling Sunday school class, one man I pastored one time would refer to God as the man upstairs or the big guy. No, he's more than a man. And God is more than upstairs. God is God and He sits on His throne in heaven, folks. And He's more than just the big guy. God is God. Be careful how you talk about God. Could it be some of our prayers are not answered because of the way we approach God or the way we refer to God? Amen. We don't come to Him in His holiness and approach Him that way. Or maybe because we have one of these little half-hearted lay-me-down-to-sleep type of prayers sometimes. That, you know, And I'm not against children learning to pray that way. But when we grow up, Paul said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. And when we grow up, we need to pray like grown-up believers, children of God. Sometimes we just have a take-it-or-leave-it attitude, it seems, in prayer. And we should never do that. Then he recalled the promises of God in verses 8 and 9. By the way, does God need to be reminded of His promises? Absolutely not. But we do. (laughs) See, we... Sometimes forget God's promises. and Forget what God has said. But God has made certain promises to us. But look at verses 8 and 9. And they dwelt there and they built this sanctuary there. And for thy name saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, that his name is in this house by the way, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. God's made some promises. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, talking about our needs, will be added unto you. He'll take care of our needs. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, I'm God's. It doesn't matter what man does to me. I'm God's. I belong to Him. And then He's promised to bless the nation whose God is the Lord. Folks, God's made some promises. And then Jehoshaphat recited his plea to God. And what does he plead for? What's his plea say? Wilt thou not judge them? He wanted some justice. He wanted God to do whatever God needed to do to protect his people. And folks, we ought to pray that God would do whatever he needs to do to protect his people today. You know what he did? He placed the enemy in God's hands. Go back to verse 12. I don't know what to do. We've probably all been there. I think we indicated a moment ago we had this situation. I don't know what to do. But God, you do. Isn't it wonderful that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we know the one that holds tomorrow. And we trust him. He said, we have no might against this great company. Neither know we what to do, but then look at what he says also there in the end of verse 12, but our eyes are upon thee. When the problems just seem like they're gonna overwhelm us and it's gonna drown us in all of that, we need to get our eyes off the problem and put our eyes on God. Remember when Jesus invited Peter to step out of the boat and walk on the water and as long as Peter was looking at Jesus, he's, walking, you know, he's just walking on the water. But then the scripture says something interesting. He began to notice that the waves were boisterous. And that the wind were blowing. You know what he did? He took his eyes off Jesus. And I can just sort of imagine, I like to use my imagination sometimes. Here's Peter walking along and said, wait a minute. This ain't supposed to be like this. I'm not supposed to be walking on water and leave this storm. What's going to happen if... <laughs> he began to sink. Because he took his eyes off Jesus, and that's what will happen to us. We get our eyes off Jesus, we will begin to sink. Oh, how God's people need to pray what Jehoshaphat did. But our eyes are upon thee. 2 Timothy chapter 3, God's word tells us that in the last days, perilous times are coming. Folks, they're here. We're living in perilous times. We're living, perilous means difficult to be born. We're living in times that are difficult to be born The scripture says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what were the days of Noah like? Listen to Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That sounds like today, doesn't it? I received something on Facebook or I saw something on Facebook this week about a new cartoon that's coming out. And I've forgotten the name of it. I think it's coming out on Disney, isn't it? Little Devil. Little Devil. And here's the gist as I remember when I read about that cartoon. Satan has relations with a woman and wants to raise her daughter as the Antichrist. This is a cartoon. Okay? Disney. How many people love Disney for their children? I don't love them. In fact, there came a point where I had to tell them, you can't watch Disney, you can't watch Nickelodeon, you know. None of this stuff. But this is the way Satan is attacking our children, feeding this garbage to them. The imagination of their hearts was only evil continually and it just seems like people sit around trying to think of what is the next evil thing, the next perverse thing, the next crooked thing I can think of to put out among people. But we're just like the folks in Noah's day. They went about marrying, giving and marrying to life as usual and didn't know till the flood came. Okay? And one of these days, there's going to be some of God's people that as they're being raptured out, they're saying, What? What's going on? Because they have not lived and listened to the Word of God. We're often like Judah as we view the world today. We just don't know what to do. Well, Here's what to do. Turn to God in desperate prayer. Again, down on our face before God. Are you desperate for Jesus today? Are you desperate for that kind of relationship, that kind of fellowship with Jesus today? Now, if you say, well, I can take him or leave him, you don't want that kind of fellowship with Jesus. But when you say, Lord, you are in charge, I'm your servant, and I will do what you want me to do. Do you have a desperate need for Jesus, his power, his love, his caring, his promises, his concern in your life? You need to get busy in some desperate prayer with him. Well, there's the prayer. Here's the prophecy, and I love this part. Look at verse 14. We didn't read it, but look at verse 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. One man, one man stood up and spoke for the Lord. And you know, it's been that way a lot of times. It's been that way a lot of times because... I remember Joshua standing up in the 24th chapter of Joshua and saying, don't know what you're going to do, but it's for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Then, in John chapter 6, I love this too. Jesus had just told the people, he said, your great multitude was following, and, and Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Of course, he wasn't speaking literally there. We understand that. But he said, if you don't have me in you, you don't have any part of it. And the... Great number of people went away from him, and Jesus looked at the twelve and said, Will you go away too? And Peter, who very rarely said anything right, said something right, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. See, one man, one person, Stephen in Acts chapter 7, stood up alone gave a complete history of the nation of Israel all the way up to and including the birth and sacrifice of Jesus Christ one person I have seen revival start in a church because one person wanted to get right with God you know, you give that invitation oh I can remember a situation and I will not name the man's name he's going on to be with the Lord now and I you know he was a faithful servant of God but he was one of like we need to be. He just couldn't get close enough to the Lord. He he was close to him but he couldn't get close enough. And so one Sunday the invitation was given and he hit the aisle. And I mean it was like you opened the floodgates. People started pouring down the aisle. The altar was filled with people praying. One person desperate Desperate for the Lord and willing to make it known. I think sometimes today we're just too filled with pride to confess our faults to one another so we can pray for one another. Well, you don't understand, preacher. They might get on the gossip line. Well, that's between them and the Lord. But the scripture says, Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. One man, one woman, willing to humble themselves before God can be used mightily of God. In desperate prayer. Again he says. Look don't be afraid. God says to them in verse 14. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Don't be filled with anxiety. Don't be dismayed. And that word dismayed. Means to be broken. So as to be faint hearted. And it may be that we're not mighty for the Lord today. Because we're so full of fear. Of the world. Well God's greater than the world. We see perversion and we see demonism and we see sin and we allow it to disable us I can't go against that well no you can't but God can and God's greater than all of that verse 17 look at what he says here ye shall not need to fight in this battle set yourselves stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord and by the way if you ever need a good three point devotional or a good three point sermon there it is in verse 17 what does he say set stand and see alright I may preach that someday Set, stand, and see. Set means take a stand. By the way, it's time that God's people took a stand in the church and out of the church. Amen. I will not be moved into what this world's, this world's way of thinking. I will not allow the world to dictate to me how to live. I want to live for God. We have churches that have gone into error because some good, doctrinally sound people in the church did nothing. And we just want to get along. Well, no, it's not time to get along. You know what Jesus said at one point? He said, I've come to set children at variance against their parents. Your people say, well, Jesus came to bring peace. Well, ultimately he will. But if you take a stand for him today, you will not have peace. We also need to take a stand for God and godliness in our homes and in our community and in our nation. Stand means to stand firm, endure, persist, to resist, to persevere. See, here's what we need. We need people who are in this thing for the long haul. I'm going to be in this thing, preacher, until the Lord comes back or until He takes me home. You know, there are people that get into church for the good times as long as things are wonderful and everybody's getting along and it's all happy and party-like atmosphere in church. That's good. You know, I'll go there. But you let it get difficult. And there are people that will hit the doors and they won't be back because it's not what they're looking for. Listen, it doesn't take any effort to quit. Amen. Realize that? I've quit I've quit a lot of times. I mean, I've said, Lord, if you'll just give me a job, I'll quit this because one of the most discouraging things there is sometimes is to be a pastor. I told Sunday school class, you know, church work is like a roller coaster. When do you see the roller coaster? When it's down at the starting gate or when it's up on top? Usually when it's up on top, right? But it's got to come off that hill and and sometimes we do and sometimes that's happened and it's easy to quit. But we have too many preachers and too many saved people who want to be liked by the world and when they weren't liked by the world for the stand they took, they decided to quit. Jeremiah tried to quit. Lord I'm ridiculed they make fun of me for preaching your word, I'll just quit. (laughs) I love it. He said but his word was like a fire in my bones and I couldn't. If you really know the Lord, if you're really desperate for the Lord, you can't quit. We need to take a stand. Set, stand, and see. It means just what you think it means. Observe. Well, what are we supposed to see, preacher? Just this. God answers prayers. And God answers desperate prayers. He says, see the salvation of the Lord. Look at the Lord. Watch the Lord work. See God act. And you know why we're not doing a lot of seeing today in the Lord's churches? Because we're not doing much setting and we're not doing much standing. We're just looking. We do a lot of sitting on a pew, but we don't do a lot of setting. Okay? On the day of Pentecost, 120 people took a stand. That's all there were. 120 people. They took a stand and they went out and witnessed of this man Jesus. And they were accused of being drunk, a lot of other things. And then, with their witnessing, a once weak preacher named Peter was emboldened to stand up and preach a message. And you remember what happened? On that day, 3,000 people were saved and were added to the Lord's churches. One. I need to write something called the power of one one of these days and try to share that with you. The power of one person. Now in closing, I want you to see in verses 18 and 19, look at what he says in these verses. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of Kohathites and of the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. I like that part. With a loud voice on high. Shout, right, Brother Tim? With a loud voice on high. Jehoshaphat humbled his head in praise at the promise of victory from God. They hadn't gotten it yet. But the victory is promised. And at the promise of that victory, he began to praise God and all the people with a loud voice. We have our opportunity to praise God in a song service and sort of like pulling hen's teeth sometimes, isn't it Brother get people to sing loudly. I'll I'll say that so you won't have to and you don't get in trouble, I'll get in trouble. Somebody said, but I can't sing, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, well the Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. And you know, I have heard some of the most beautiful singing from a person that couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. And you know why? Because it came from their heart. I knew that person and I listened to them sing. And no, they didn't hit every note. And in fact, they may have just hit one or two. But it was beautiful because there was their heart praising and worshiping God. Can you praise God for the victory he has given and is giving and will give you? Can you glorify God for that? Listen, you know Christ the Savior. (laughs) You're alive today. Just think of some of the things that God has done for us. You know Christ the Savior. You're alive today. You have this church body in which to worship and to serve God. You have your health. You have your family. You have your friends. And you have the guarantee of ultimate victory in Jesus Christ. Can't you praise God for that? we ought to, I want to read verses 20 through 24 before we close, because you see the victory was promised, look what happens, and they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me O Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established, believe his prophets, so shall you prosper, trust God, that's what he's telling them, trust God, he's made a promise, trust God. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, "Praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever." The army's going forward. We're going to send singers. We're going to praise God as the army goes into battle. Boy, that's real good, isn't it? We're just going to praise God as the army goes into battle. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Do you see what's happening here? God tells them, you've got the victory, go. And they go in faith, because they hadn't won it yet. They go in faith, they go singing praises to God, and boom. God gives them the victory. For the, and look how he did it. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir. He got them fighting against each other. They'd come to fight against Israel. He gets them fighting against each other. Inhabitants of Mount Seer utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seer, everyone helped to destroy another. Listen, folks. God can turn our enemies against each other. Amen. But it's not going to happen with, now let me down to sleep prayer. We're going to have to be on our faces, in the dirt, sackcloth and ashes, desperate praying before God. Oh, in Verse 24. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness they looked unto the multitude and behold there were dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped. Complete victory. Because of faith in God. We live in desperate times but folks we're not defeated. We just need some folks to realize that the emergency of the times that we live in requires some urgency on our part. Some urgent praying on our part. God's people have always been in the minority. We know that. Always in the minority. But we're still in business, aren't we? You think about how many saved people, and we don't know how many there are, but think about how few saved people in this world, as opposed to lost people in this world, what, almost 8 billion people in the world today? I don't think we have even half of that saved. But they haven't put the Lord's churches out of business yet, have they? We're still in business. Think about just this nation and the population of this nation and how few professed believers there are. Less than 50% of the people, the latest poll said, even believe in God anymore. We're still in business. We're still preaching the word. We're still meeting and singing praises to God. But more than ever before, we need God's people to get desperate. Desperate in prayer. I think I said in the bulletin article these last few weeks I have been reminded what it means to pray desperately folks. Almost continually throughout the day and throughout the night. You know anytime I can't get my mind occupied with something else you know what I'm doing? I'm talking to God. We need people who recognize the person of God. He's sovereign people that recall the promises of God he's made them and then we need to recite our plea recite our prayer to God and trust God to do what he knows is best for his protection and his provision do we have any today among us and I know you'll say yes to this but do we have any today among us who are desperate for fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ this kind of walking hand in hand where you know the scripture says pray without ceasing well we just walk hand in hand with the Lord daily constantly talking to him reciting our prayers to him that doesn't mean make up some prayer and commit it to memory and recite. that just means saying Lord this is my prayer this is my need Lord I need you and I, I can't do this without you Lord I don't know what to do Lord just send revival to our church, send revival to our nation. Lord, we need you to act and help us to set, to stand, and then to see.